You're listening to the Food Files podcast, the latest from the Oklahoma State University Robert M. Kerr Food and Agricultural Product Center. Here's your host, Darren Scott. Welcome to the Food Files. I'm your host, Darren Scott. And today's guest is Dr. Ravi Jadija, FAPC Food Safety Specialist. Morning, Ravi. Good morning, Dr. Scott. How are you? I'm pretty good. And you know, you can call me Darren. (laughs) (laughs) You know, before we start, um, I was wondering if you could maybe share just a little bit of info about what you do here at the FAPC. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come here and uh, uh, allow me to talk about the programs that I'm involved in. So as you mentioned that I'm Ravi Jadeja, uh, my official title is an assistant professor and a food safety specialist here at Food and Egg Product Center. So my major responsibilities are to teach undergraduate and graduate level classes and provide uh, training and technical assistance uh, to food industry here in Oklahoma. One of the things that um, has sort of been very important to uh, food industry, obviously, is food safety. And one of those aspects of food safety is a lot of the different regulations that Um, industry has to face. And so one of those has been a Food Safety Modernization Act. And so I was wondering if you could kind of just start off by telling uh, viewers or listeners uh, what that is. Great great question. Food Safety Modernization Act is the biggest FDA food safety regulation reform since 1938. Food Safety Modernization Act is also known as FISMA. And uh, you may hear me talking about uh, FISMA or referring Food Safety Modernization Act as or this act is made up of seven major rules and uh, additional supporting program with the focus of reducing foodborne illnesses in the United States. Why has the FDA introduced FISMA? The reason that uh, FDA introduced this rule is that according to Center for Disease Control, foodborne illnesses are responsible for about uh, 48 million people getting sick each year and about 128,000 hospitalization. And this is a huge public health burden and the FDA wants to reduce and Congress wants to reduce the the pub, this uh, huge public health burden, and that's why Food Safety Modernization Act become a law in 2011. What different rules are covered under FISMA? As I mentioned, that FISMA has seven major rules, and all of those rules are designed to reduce the number of foodborne illnesses that we face each year in the states. So there are seven major rules. Uh, first one is accredited third-party certification rule. Uh, this rule is focused on on uh, training uh, private certification bodies to go out and inspect foreign facilities on behalf of FDA because FDA wants to make sure that any food that is being produced outside of the United States, that food is also meeting the same uh, food safety requirement that uh, you would expect any food being manufactured in the United States. There are additional rules on uh, preventive control for human food, preventive control for animal food. Both of these rules are uh, consisted of uh, updated good manufacturing practices for production of human and animal foods. 
Mm-hmm. And on top of that, the FDA also enforced new prevention-based approach to reduce the contamination in the food product. These are the three rules that uh, we talked about. But on top of that, there is a, a first time in the history. FDA has introduced a rule to cover produce because produce has been found as in, uh, found in many foodborne illnesses, and it is considered one of the the high risk product. Foreign supplier verification program is another rule that applies to importers. So someone wants to import the food product to US, then that person is responsible to make sure that uh, food was produced using the safe manufacturing practices, as well as it meets the requirement uh, set up in the US. The final two rules that I want to quickly go over are uh, intentional adulteration rule, And this rule is designed to reduce the intentional contamination of our food supply. Finally, a sanitary transportation of human and animal food rule that applies to uh, parties involved in transportation of food product. And FDA wants to make sure that food does not become contaminated during transport. What about the proposed additional traceability rule? Can you tell me a little bit about that? In last eight, 10 years, FDA has been identifying that uh, there are some high-risk food products which are always been in news for uh, very bad reasons that uh, they are involved in or they are included in some sort of recalls and outbreaks. And uh, when this type of things happen, FDA would like to uh, act quickly because now with the Food Safety Modernization Act, FDA's focus has changed from reaction to prevention, Mm -hmm. and they want to reduce the impact of this type of foodborne illnesses. And that's why uh, they are asking uh, certain, and again, this is a proposed rule at this point, uh, they are asking a producer of uh, these high-risk food products to uh, trace this product more effectively, and there are some additional uh, tracing requirements included, which are uh, beyond uh, the preventive control for human food and animal food rules. And because of these additional tra- uh, tracing requirements, FDA is hoping that they would be able to very quickly identify the food product in question and will be able to recover and reduce the impact of foodborne illnesses. Who is subjected to the preventive controls for human food rule? Any food company who need to register with FDA, uh, they are required to comply with uh, human food preventive control rule. Depending on the size, uh, they may need to comply with uh, a small portion of the rule, but uh, everyone is subjected. Everyone, all FDA inspected uh, food facilities are subjected to uh, preventive control for human food. So are there any exemptions uh, for the preventive controls for human food rule? Yes, uh, based on the size of the companies and then uh, amount of uh, food product produce, companies can apply for exemption for a certain part of the preventive control rule. So preventive control rule has a multiple components. One component is good manufacturing practices. So all of the food company who are subjected to FDA regulation for human food have to comply with the CGMP requirements. But there is a preventive control 
requirement that is subpart C and subpart G of the rule. Uh, if you are small enough, you are producing less than million dollars worth of food product on an average of a, a three-year rolling average, then in that situation, you can apply to FDA uh, and fill out a form called 3942A and uh, get an exemption from uh, that particular part of the preventive controls rule. Uh, there are some other exemptions as well. Uh, for example, if the food product is covered under other FDA regulations, such as seafood HACCP or juice HACCP or uh, canning, then in that situation, uh, that particular portion is not covered under uh, uh, preventive controls rule. Well, you know, before we wrap things up, Ravi, is there anything else that you might want to mention or add to what we've been talking about this morning? Again, thank you so much for this opportunity. I just want to let uh, the food industry, especially small and very small food industry, know, though they may be exempt at this point, but these regulations are coming up very quickly. And it is in our best interest to get ready for this food safety regulation. Thanks for coming on this morning, Robin. I'd also like to thank the listeners for tuning in to this episode of The Food Files. Um, I'd also like to thank AgCom for the production of this podcast. For additional food industry information, please make sure to visit our website at food.okstate.edu. Until next time, 